Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on what place does fear have in you. By all means, it's going to be good. By all means, throw that logo up, that image up. Two weeks from today, by all means, what we're going to talk about. And uh, by all means, that I may save some. By all means. So going into the Easter season, um, I just feel compelled that we as a body and we as believers, we need to be more committed to, by all means, going about the work of the kingdom. By all means. By all our means. By all that we have. And I want to preempt that today, though, and somehow maybe do this without... uh, touching too much on those notes, but I, uh, in reflecting on that and preparing for today, I just kept going back and forth, and then um, just as we went through worship this morning, and Russ, Russ brought me something the Lord was showing him, and, and just uh, really just kind of pulling on me today to go a different direction, and the last few weeks, we've been talking about trusting the Lord with all our heart, all, everybody say all. all. What does that mean in Hebrew? All. Exactly. And lean not to our own understanding, but in all. What does that mean? All. Acknowledge Him. What's acknowledge mean? Intimately. Intimately knowing Him, being one with Him in all of our ways, and He will make our paths straight, right? And so we've learned that being intimate with him, being connected with him, like the love bugs, right? Talked about the love bugs last week. They fly around. They're really prominent in Florida, where we vacation frequently. And so I see these little bugs, and they fly around, and they're connected together. And so if we are going to have straight paths, that's going to come from our intimacy in our connection with him because he is the way maker. And so he is the one that when the Red Sea looked at him, it trembled and it got out of the way. And so we want things to tremble and move out of our way, but we want them to move out of our way with the absence of being connected to him. When we think we're strong enough without him, we get whipped. Right? When we think we can do all these things without him, we find ourselves in trouble. But I, um, we're going to give an opportunity for baptism today. We have some guys uh, from Redemption Lifehouse, amen, that, that just, uh, just pretty much wouldn't take no for an answer. They're getting baptized this week. We talked them into waiting a few days to do it here, to share that moment with you guys, their faith family. I don't want to rob you of that moment uh, because I know that you love them and care for them. We tried to fill up the baptism this week over at the house at the church um, where they reside, and it ran for hours and hours and did not fill up very much. So we don't know if it's got a leak or what. And uh, if we could have got it just deep enough to get them under it, we would have went with it. But uh, I couldn't even get it deep enough to get them under. Some of them are big boys, you know. We don't want anything left <laughs> unimmersed. 
And uh, we want full immersion. Amen. We want it all going in and nothing coming out, right? We don't want anything left of the old life. We don't want anything sticking around. But I just, um, I think we got to deal with something before we can move into where I really wanted to go today. And, and I just kind of feel arrested with it. Before we start going into, by all means, I think we have to linger one more week with all our heart. And um, I heard a quote this week that just, just wrecked me, and I can't remember the exact way it was quoted, but I know exactly what it meant. And it was, fear cannot attach to anything that's been baptized in love. Fear cannot attach to anything that has been baptized in love. So if we have fear that comes from, just so happens we're talking about full immersion, that just so happens to come from places that are not fully surrendered and tucked under the love of God. And so when we talk about, and we have for the last few weeks, our heart and all of our heart trusting him and in all of our ways acknowledging him, the first week we talked about just bringing all of our heart to him. And when we talk about all, it's not a definitive statement of how much passion or how much energy we put, but it's actually a quantifying statement of how much of it we bring. And so it's not just, man, I love you with all my heart. No, it's like I love you with all of my heart. Here it is. And so there are places, and we looked at unforgiveness, places that we've been done wrong, places that we've been mistreated. And so there's portions and places in our heart where we're still holding a debt to someone else. And we're still saying they have diminished us or they have made me less than or they have diminished my worth or my capacity or what I'm able to be now. I'll never be the same. Anybody ever said that? I'll never be the same. I'll never be able to live. I'll never be able to have the joy I had. I'll never be able to have the peace I had. I'll never be able to have the fullness I have. That is an inaccurate statement that is giving too much worth to what someone can do to you and not enough worth to what he did for you. And so when we do that, we're unable to give him all of our heart because we've still got pieces of it that are out and we are holding a debt. And so we we keep it there, but you know, if you cancel that debt, then he will regenerate what was lost. And so when you trust him, then he will restore. But when we will not let him heal it, then we only have, we have to depend on the person who's holding it. That's where unforgiveness and debt comes into that. But I was just seeing this week when hearing that statement that those pieces, those places, those lies that we believe, and somehow they're not sealed. When we talked about the seal and him sealing us, and it's like that box of chocolate that I demonstrated with, 
It looks like we've been opened and we've been consumed and much of what we have has been taken and diminished by life, by circumstances, by situations, by those around us. But with him, when we come back, when we come to him and we're made new and we're born again, we are freshly sealed. Just as if we had never lost. But it's totally surrendering him and trusting him. And then we can be perpetually sealed. And people can come and take and we just go back to him and he just fills it again. Seals it again. As if nothing's even gone. And so that's that intimacy with him. If you're intimate with one who's complete and lacking nothing, then somebody takes something from you, but you're connected to completeness and lacking nothingness. Are you lacking? His fullness floods your lacking, and then you're both full, right? And so there's never this lack or this diminishing, but those places that are unsubmitted and untrusting in the love of God are the places where fear creeps in. It's where fear creeps in. Man, I was taken to Job this week. We don't like to go to Job, right? But Job was a man that feared the Lord. Okay? Scripture says in Job that Job was a man who feared the Lord. Yet... When everything seemed to be taken away from Job, Job's statement was, what I have feared the most has come upon me. He feared the Lord, but what did he fear the most? So if there's things that we have let fear get attached to, and out of fear we're afraid... We're afraid of them more than we're afraid of God. And afraid of, just let me help you with that. In Job, I don't have any of these notes because this isn't what I was going to preach today. But in Job, those are different fears. One is dread. Fear, what he dreaded the most, what he was afraid of the most. And one is holy awe and reverence. Like a child loves their dad. Or their mom and wants to please them and honor them. Yes, knowing that they could get a pow pow, but still honoring and reverencing them. Right? And so there's this fear of God, but he dreaded other things. And so when you fear God and dread other things, those things that, do you see what I'm saying? If he feared those other things, then there had to be parts of his life that were dominated by that fear. Which means in your life, if you fear things and fear God, that means that you're not trusting God with all of your heart. And if you fear things, if you fear not having money, that's going to dictate your pursuit of money. And you're going to do things and you're going to worship things that you should not do and you should not worship. But it's going to be birthed out of a fear of loss, a fear of lack. But if you feared God more than you feared lack, then you would let God dictate your actions and you would walk in fullness, lacking nothing. If we fear 
loss of relationship and being alone, then that fear will dictate how we navigate relationships. And we will do things that we shouldn't do. And we'll be things that we shouldn't be. And we'll compromise things that we shouldn't compromise because we fear being alone. But if we would fear God in our relationships more than we fear being alone, then God would be able to establish us and put us in God-fearing relationships that would bring fulfillment to our life. What he feared the most came upon him. But fear can only attach to things that aren't baptized in love. So if Job would be totally encompassed with the love of God, then he would have had no fear. And Satan came and he said, does he fear you for naught? So Satan comes to God and says, does Job fear you for nothing? Take a hedge from away from him and see what he does. See if he'll not curse you. So Satan comes and says, Job fears you just because you are one who helps ease his fears of other things. Is that not what that means? Do you see that? If he didn't think that you were the one that holds all this other stuff that he's afraid of, was Job afraid? Did he say, what, what I feared the most has come upon me? So Job was afraid he was going to lose all his animals. He was going to lose his wife. He was going to lose his children. Well, he didn't lose his wife. He probably didn't fear that. Probably should have feared that. She told him to curse God and die, right? But Job clearly, he said, what I feared has come upon me. So he feared those things. Satan brought an accusation that he only reverenced and feared God because he was thought God was the one that was able to make him keep his stuff. Do you, not, do you see that? Are y'all with me? I just want to make sure y'all are with me. I know sometimes I just start talking fast. But if he said, remove the hedge to where he does, I can take some of his stuff and then he'll turn on you, then... Clearly, the accusation was that Job trusted God for what God could do for Job. More than trusting God for who God was and that God had him and it didn't matter about his stuff. So he was serving two masters. He was fearing two masters. He was fearing two things. Are you fearing two things? Does your life reflect... Only a fear and a trust in God, or does it reflect a pretty consistent fear of our surroundings and fear of our culture and fear of making sure that we meet the standards and have what the society tells us we need to have? Because if there are things that are not baptized in his love, remember what Jesus tells the disciples he says, he has no place in me. Talking about Satan. He has no place in me. You know why? Because he was completely bathed, baptized in the love of God. He knew the Father. He knew who he was. And so there was no place 
for that fear. Satan came in and tried to tempt him with all kinds of things, but there was no place for that fear of those things because he knew God and he knew his love. What is fear able to attach itself to in your life? Well, man, it's not like tormenting fear. When you use the word fear, what do you reverence? What do you honor? What do you hold at high esteem? What do you give a high place of worth and value in your life that dictates your actions and causes you not to be able to truly trust God with all your heart? And we can't move into by all means. We can't even get to our means until we settle our heart. Because if you can't trust him with all your heart, you definitely can't trust him with all your means. And we're out here trying to win people and show people and demonstrate the kingdom with, to people while we're living in a place of fear. And so we can't, by all means, save some because we can't trust God with all of our means. So we can't surrender all of our means. The body of Christ should be such a, a wellspring of life. Rivers of living water should flow. I mean, I'm talking about, I see it in just like, I don't want to get ahead of myself in the next week, but we should be in every situation, we should be like a plant. We should be like a, I don't mean a plant as in a flower. I mean like a plant as in someone who's, um, integrated into a situation to radiate light and life into it. But you can't do that into a broken situation if you're not confident in the fullness of your reality. Because if you get into a broken situation and you've got fears of your own, you're going to become tormented with fear just like the people in the broken situation. And it's going to cause you to manifest in different ways. Some of us get real offensive in our religious stance when we're really just afraid of where people are in their life. But if we were really confident in the one who can deliver and heal and set free, then we wouldn't have to start yelling. We could just start loving and trust God that he's going to transform people's lives. But we can't trust him in the way we talk to people. We can't by all means treat people right when we've got fear of being diminished if someone hurts us or takes from us. But it's those places of fear. I just couldn't get past Job this week, though. What I feared the most has come upon me. And without a doubt, he's a man that feared God. So what does that mean? What you fear the most will come upon you. So what do you fear the most? Do you fear God the most? If you fear God the most, then that's what comes upon you. If you fear loss and torment and all these things the most, then that's what comes upon us. And it's not just some statement of faith well, if you fear God, you'll say the right things. And then because you say the right things, then he'll bring the right stuff. Yeah. 
Y'all stay with me for just a minute. It's not just, well, you'll demonstrate your fear for God by doing a bunch of good stuff, and if you do enough good stuff, then he'll let good stuff happen to you. We, we, we make this all so uh, striving and working towards something. It's literally our move. The reality is, if you fear him, what will come out of your life will be your move, and your move will position you correctly to receive the fullness of the kingdom. There are principles in the kingdom that when you walk in those, it's not like God's waiting and he's going to check a box and then he's going to give you stuff. No, it just comes automatically. You put a coin in a gumball machine, it rolls down and you stuff it in your mouth, right? When you, when you fear God and you walk in righteousness and you align your... When you treat people right because you don't have to preserve yourself then you're going to sow into people and you're going to reap positive relationships. That's not God saying, well, if you demonstrate you fear me enough, then I'll make people like you. No, he created us to be holy as he is holy. And our lives will produce the fruit that we desire when we walk in fellowship with him. But what do you fear the most? And if we fear the things of the world and we let those fears dictate. If Job feared losing stuff, then that had to dictate Job's choices. If you're afraid that you're not going to have enough because of what somebody said about you when you were a little kid, then that's going to dictate how you live every day of your life. But if you'll let yourself be bathed in the love of God and baptized in the love of God and you'll let all those false ideas be washed away and you'll be born again in his love and you'll believe what he says and you'll believe who he says you are, then you'll be one that trusts him and knows that I will be the head and not the tail. Lack will never be my problem. I will always have more than enough and you will be able to live a life of generosity which just so happens to position you to be someone who never walks in lack God will not be mocked we, we sow sparingly we reap sparingly if we sow bountifully then we reap bountifully but you can't sow bountifully if you don't believe bountifully and so if you fear lack then you can't sow bountifully which can never set you up to walk in fullness Be too hard to take his mic off and drop it. <laughs> I'm tired of being dominated by fear. It's my move. It's your move. Every prophetic word I've ever received just reiterates what I already know, but that I have forfeited out of fear. I love sometimes to get some new stuff. 
drove three hours a couple weeks ago to hear some uh, a, a powerful prophetic voice. Didn't really even know them. I, I, I've witnessed Heidi Baker's ministry in Madagascar, and they were going to be ministering something. Somebody got me a free, what's that? Mozambique, sorry. I say that all the time, I think. Mozambique, not Madagascar. That's the movie. I have seven kids. All, everything I talk about goes back to some cartoon. But you know what? The greatest place in my life that I've walked in defeat over the last few months? Building. Building. I don't know how to build. I don't know what to build. I'm stalemated on building, and so we've done nothing. Even though the Lord said to build and expand and enlarge the place of your tent. And the word of the Lord has been that I'm a builder for many years. So I walk into this place. We get there, and there's two. We we had to, we had were making good time. I like to see how much I can beat the estimated time on the GPS. Anybody else do that? <laughs> Rush, you're my wit. I knocked 15 minutes off, didn't I? We were there. I knocked and We were going through Asheville, through the mountain, through the gorge. <laughs> Russ's knuckles were white. You know, there's a difference in breaking the speed limit and maintaining the speed limit on places that are difficult to maintain the speed limit. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm doing the speed limit. It's just most people wouldn't at that, at those points. <laughs> With the rain, <laughs> pouring rain. <laughs> I just were pointing that out. Rush just kept saying, "Maybe we just need to slow down." You know, we just slow down. Ain't you glad we didn't slow down? Come on, you know that. So we get there. We had to stop and use the restroom. About beat us out. Went to the store. They didn't have a restroom. Go to another store. They had, I mean, all these things. Yeah, <laughs> totally messed me up. But because I saved the 15 minutes, we got there exactly when GPS said we were going to get there, even stopping going to the restroom. We walk into this conference. There's people lined up all in the foyer. I don't know why, but the per there was one desk open, and they said, hey, you two guys together? And I said, yeah. They call us down. And then all of them start clapping. Congratulations. They said, you two guys are the last two guys in, that get in tonight. Oh, wow. How about that? <laughs> we go in there. We didn't even sit together. We found one seat over here and one seat over here. And I said, brother, I, I love you, but I ain't here for you anyways. You go over there, and he said the same thing. We split up. Great place of worship. I'm just challenged in worship. Challenged in worship. I want a place that's so hungry for worship and just the presence of God. Because that's where miracles happen. And so we get to the end of the service. I'm just kind of hanging out, you know, and worshiping and having a good time. He says, are there any pastors here? And uh, I was like, well, yeah. And he said, come up on the stage. So I go up on the stage. I wasn't planning on sharing any of this. Isn't this fun? That's all right. You want me to read it? <laughs> all right. Some of it I don't want to speak into existence. I don't, I don't know about some of it. No, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> 
the point of it is, I don't know if I'll read all this or not, but any pastors here? And, um, and then he went on, hungry, passionate people. I look around. I think me and Russ are the only people in the whole building that went up there. So I don't know if there wasn't anybody else or what, but I'm just standing up on the stage, you know. And so this guy comes over, and, uh, and all through the service, the Holy Spirit was convicting me about the building. That's what I was getting. I mean, all this stuff going on and all this stuff, but all I was getting that was, you have to build. You have to move forward. You have to do what I told you to do. And so that's already where I'm at. I'm content. I'm going home with that revelation. You know, I don't have to have all that stuff. I mean, that's the Holy Spirit can speak to me in that environment, and I feel like he, you know, spoke that to me. And so I was ready to, at, at, by all means, move forward. And, uh, but just... To reaffirm, I'm up on the stage. The guy walks up to me on the microphone. He says, I see that you are a builder. (laughs) And I said, okay. In this last season, the enemy has tried to steal everything from you. Voices have been raised up against you. Slander and false accusations have been brought against you. I don't know who those are. If they're y'all... It ain't going to work. <laughs> and backstabbing, but the Lord said, watch as I yield a sword in you of grace and love. He's going to soften hearts in the most beautiful way. But the Lord was swinging his hand in front of you, back and forth, back and forth. And as he lifted up his hand, he released properties and buildings to you. You're a church planter, a church builder. And he's put a vision inside of you for a church planting movement. You've been crying out just trying to get by, but the Lord says, raise your vision. Raise your bar of expectation. Watch what I will do this year. You've trained for this. You've prepared the way for this. And then he prayed over me. Isn't God good? But what places are we surrendering to fear? How much is that hindering what God wants to release in our life? Because of fear, we don't move forward. Because of fear, we don't step out. Because of fear, because of fear, we don't trust him with everything. It's crazy because what Russ brought to me today was the story of Naaman. If anybody's ever heard of Naaman, but Naaman is in the Old Testament in Kings, Second Kings, chapter five. Naaman, uh, Scripture says, was a valiant warrior, but he had leprosy. He was a valiant warrior, but he had leprosy. And I just saw that there's valiant warriors that have been inflicted with fear. You're a valiant warrior, but you're hindered with fear. Reminds me of Gideon, who the angel says, mighty warrior. And he says, who, me? He was inflicted with fear and not knowing who he was. But God spoke to who he was. So there's people in this room, I believe, that are 
valiant, mighty warriors, but you are inflicted with fear over places that are unsurrendered to God. And so those places are at a crack, an open door for fear and torment to come into your life. Jahan did a marvelous job this past Wednesday night. And I'm just going to tell you, I don't know what the model is and the form is and if pastors are supposed to do everything and then that's bad because I don't, if you don't think I earn my check, but I'm going to release teachers to teach. We've got some amazing teachers in this body that need to operate in their gifting. And so I feel like Wednesday nights are going to be a place where other people teach and not me. And so I'm excited about that. And we've had marvelous teaching. Tiffany's taught and done an amazing job every time she's taught. Jahan's taught the last couple of weeks. She has a wonderful gift of teaching. Mr. Blake is going to teach this Wednesday night. He has a phenomenal gift of teaching. And so there'll be others and more. But I'm just excited about receiving from those gifts in people. I believe we need to get the five-fold ministry working in the church and people operating in their gifts. And so I don't want to hog every position because I got a title beside my name. I just want to operate in what God's called me to operate in and release everyone else to do the same. But she talked. Well, I forgot what I was going to say now after all that. That wasn't it. Um, anyway, I forgot. Never mind. <laughs> Uh, but we're tormented by fear. We're, God calls us who we are. It's who we're made to be and created to be. How we're supposed to thrive and operate. Yet we're tormented and inflicted by fear. And that is an open door. Those places that are unsubmitted and unsurrendered. Oh, I just remember what it is. Thank you, Lord. Iniquity is unrepented sin, transgression. There are some of us that unrepented sin has opened the door for fear and torment and guilt and shame. We've covered so much stuff and we refuse to acknowledge stuff. And it gives an open door to the adversary. And he's got this hook in us and he's got this place in us. And he can always bring it back up and he can always hold it over our head. He can always torment it with us. But we need to come clean. We need to be washed. The only time that it talks about the fear of God becoming the fear of the fear of the bad things is when we're in sin. Then the fear changes. The words change from a holy awe and fear to a dread and a torment. And so how much, if our approach to God is fear, how much more will we fear everything else? But if our approach to God is holy awe and reverence, then it releases us to be afraid of nothing. So we can't have unrepented sin and transgression in our lives. It just gives him such a place, stronghold in us. And so all this stuff today, and why I couldn't move forward with what I planned on preaching, and when Russ brought me naming, it just, what the Lord showed me with that, tying together with the fear, 
is he was a valiant warrior, but he was plagued with a disease. And here's the thing. Naaman ends up going and dipping in a river seven times. Goes and dips in the river seven times. We're going to have baptism today. Here's the cool thing, though, about Naaman, too. When Naaman got the word from Elisha to go dip in the river seven times, Naaman got angry because he thought it was such a foolish thing to do. Naaman's servant comes to him and says, if God had told you to do, if the prophet had told you to do something great, you would have by all means done it. But because it seems beneath you, you don't think it's significant. I believe some of us are going to be free of the infirmity of fear through acts of obedience that seem insignificant. Just simple. And so I'm going to open it today as we baptize some folks that want to go public with their faith and just make a public confession today of what's happened to them and the conversion that's happened to them. And um, not only that, I believe, I know some people say, well, I've been baptized before. Well, Naaman went seven times (laughs) in one day. I don't think it's the quantity I thought, I think it's what's left on you when you come out. If you've been baptized before, but you still ain't clean, maybe you should get baptized again. Let me be real clear on this, because I got help last time we had baptism after service. In no way does the statement I just made insinuate that going in this water up here washes your sin away. Let me be clear on that. At the same time, an act of faith can do powerful things. And ain't no telling what going into just a tub of water can do. Look what it did with Naaman. And so if the Lord says, humble yourself today. I don't know if you guys remember, many of you weren't there. This, I think it's before we transitioned and moved up here. But the Lord told me as the pastor, when you get done baptizing everybody else, let somebody baptize you. Because you have some things that need to be washed off. One of the main reasons was OCD, obsessive, compulsive, and control. And so the Lord specifically instructed me to go last in this tub of water that doesn't look great after 25 people get baptized. (laughs) So to me, genuinely, an act of obedience was submitting myself to a dirty pool to show my faith. And God removed from me the desire to control all of my surroundings, my situations. So I believe that by faith God can do great things in our life and acts of obedience.
And I believe today if you're dealing with fear, that we can drown fear by faith. The children of Israel were pretty afraid when Pharaoh's army was chasing them. But they made a move. And they went into the water. And they came out. But the army didn't come out. And they were drowned. So all throughout scripture we see a lot of things get drowned in just regular water. So I think he can drown some things in regular water. By faith. This whole walk is us and him coming into agreement on things. And so if he speaks to your heart, then it may be go back there and walk around that pole five times. If he speaks that to your heart and you do it, man, this messes with people sometimes. But all throughout scripture, he gave instructions. He spit in mud and put it in somebody's eyes. Some of us got to let go of what we think we know about everything. And just trust God through some things that seem foolish. But if a God told you to walk up here and take the mic and give some powerful declarative word that would get you all of the praise and attention, we would all do that. But if he tells you to do something that looks foolish to bring healing to your life, well, I don't know about that. I'm just ready to do whatever, aren't you? So, I got done 10 minutes early. We can't baptize everybody in 10 minutes, but we're going to try to get out as close on time. But it's open. I don't think I have any extra towels today. I didn't bring them. You may not have a change of clothes. I don't know what you need to do. But if you feel like you need to get baptized today, if you feel like you need to drown some things today by faith, then I challenge you to do it. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life. 